Okay, so tonight, Be'ezras Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shiram on the Ten Sviros. And tonight we're going to be discussing two Sviros, which are going to be Netzach and Hod. The title of this week's Shir is going to be Netzach and Hod, The Power of Powerlessness. Now before we get into the specific details of the Sviros of Netzach and Hod, it's important that we understand why Netzach and Hod are going to be spoken about together, as opposed to all of the other spheros which we've discussed from Kesser all the way down to Teferes, where each one was discussed in and of itself. Now, as we're going to see, Netzach and Hod already represent the beginning of the third and final stage of the ten spheros, which make up the spherotic tree. We spoke in the earlier weeks of the Shirim about the Moichin, about the modes of consciousness, about the transcendental aspects of the soul in its relationship with God, with the world, and with other people. And those spheros were represented by Keser, Chachma, Bina, and with Das in parentheses, because as we said, Das is a pseudosphera that serves to bridge the transcendent spheros with the next triad of spheros, which were Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes. Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes, identified as the left arm, the right arm, and the torso of the body itself, are no longer going to be considered mochin. They're no longer going to be considered the same conscious modes of intellectualization, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that we associate with the three first spheros. But the three middle spheros of Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes are going to be representative of what we refer to as the emotions or the midos themselves. Now, as we said, one of the fundamental distinctions between the first triad of Keser, Chachma, and Bina and the second triad of Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes is that while Keser, Chachma, and Bina are objective forms of consciousness that remain pure in their idealized form without being affected by Shvira Sakelim or the limitations of reality, the midos of chesed, gvura, and teferes, or the body, in contradistinction to the mind, is already going to be susceptible to being tainted, already susceptible to the oppositional play that takes place, wherein each and every holy trait within the individual's lived experience also brings with it a negative counterpart. Like we said, that chesed, when gone unbridled, can result in unhealthy relationships of connecting myself and placing myself in places where I do not belong. Gavura, when gone unbridled, which represents the left side of constriction as an outgrowth of Bina, which was the left brain, when gone unbridled and uncontrolled, it can result in the destructive tendencies and, and the self-focus of internalization and swallowing anything that is not me. And we spoke about Teferis, which was going to be the beauty of Yaakov Avinu, which on the one hand doesn't necessarily have psoilus, yet on the other hand it can manifest in sheker and death. Now, the third triad of spheros, which are going to begin the process of completing the ten spheros, begin with Netzach and they end with Yesod. It's going to be Netzach, Hod, Yesod. Netzach, Hod, and Yesod are going to be representative of the third and final triad that comprises the Sirotic tree. Now, as we see, there's going to be a certain synonymous nature or an equivalency between each of the descending triads. When we look at Keser, Chachman, Bina, Keser is going to be in the middle representative of the cranium itself. 
Chachma is going to be the wisdom of the right brain, and Bina is going to be the wisdom of the left brain. And as we said, Das, which is a pseudosphera, is going to occupy the area of the neck or within the mind, the corpus callosum, which seeks to unify the two hemispheres of the brain. But what we see is that we have a right, a left, and a middle that the right is in opposition to the left, and the middle comes along to unify and synthesize the two. So we have Keser, Chachma, and Bina as the upper triad of the spheros, which are going to be referred to as the Mochin, as modes of consciousness, which are transcendent and removed from any destruction or pollution. Then the second iteration of those spheros is also going to be aligned according to that triadic structure of right, left, and center. We're going to have chesed on the right side, which is representative by the right arm of the human being, which is an outgrowth of the right side of the brain. So chachma gives birth to chesed, both of which represent the right side. On the left side, which is going to be bina as the mode of left brain understanding is going to give birth to gevura, which is the left arm of constriction. And the keser, or the das, depending on which one we're counting, either the desire and the pleasure that a person experiences within themselves prior to emerging out of themselves, or the embodied knowledge that a person uses in order to translate their intellectual knowledge into lived action, is going to give birth to teferis, which stands in the center of the body. So on the first triad of spheros, we have right, left, and center. As well, on the second triad of spheros, we're going to have left, right, and center. When we come to the third triadic structure of the spheros, which are going to be the lower three, we're going to find the same exact breakup with Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. Netzach, which is going to be associated with the right leg, again, representative of the right side of chesed, is going to be an outgrowth of chesed, which is the right arm, or chachma, which is the right brain. And hod, which is going to be representative of the left leg, that constrictive side of this triad, is going to be an outgrowth of gevura, which in turn is an outgrowth of bina. And yesod, which we're going to be discussing next week, the foundation rests at the center in that it descends from teferes, which is one of the aspects that we see in the deep relationship between Yaakov Avinu, who is representative of the seer of Tiferes, and Yosef Atzadik, who is represented in the seer of Yesod. But either way you look at it, what we have now is a three-tiered structure where each tier is a reiteration of the tier that precedes it. The Keser, Chachma, and Bina finds a reiteration on the emotional level in Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferes. And Chesed and Gevura and Teferes find a new iteration on the more embodied level or the habituated level in in Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. Now, the way that the Mikubalim, starting with the Ramak based on the Zohar, and the Arizal describes this as well, and the Rebbe Roshab utilizes this throughout his Farim, is that these three triadic structures that comprise the ten spheros, in fact, represent three different modalities through which the individual experiences the world. Because as we said at the beginning of the shir, the animating truth when it comes to understanding the spheros in an anthropomorphized way is the ability to see within our own lived experience, to see with our own psychological lived states or our phenomenological moods through which we see the world, is to see those ten spheros as lenses through which we experience reality. Now, this three-tiered structure is going to be broken up into the three-tiered ideas of muskal, intellectualization, knowledge, 
contemplation associated with the transcendent moichin of Kesar, Chachma, and Bina. After muskal, after intellectualization or modes of consciousness, we're going to enter into the secondary realm of morgash, which is a felt sense, which is the emotionally lived states of love and fear and compassion, which identified with the heart, which medievally speaking was seen as the seat of emotions, and now neurologically speaking, the heart of the mind is seen as the root of the psychologically lived states of intense emotions. And the lower third triad is going to be referred to as mutva, which is going to be the natural habituated states within which a person finds themselves. Those states of Netzach and Hod and Yesod represent the modes of experience that have been so entrenched within us because we've already gone through the process of intellectually thinking about it. Then we've moved through the process of emotionally feeling it. Now we finally come down to the level where it's almost naturally embodied within ourselves. That after we've gone from Keser to Chachma to Bina, through Das to Chesed and Gvura and Teferes, once we reach Netzach, Hod and Yesod, what we're already dealing with is the mutva within a person, the natural habituated states of behavior that no longer need any conscious direction in order to direct to those behaviors. And this is what's going to be most significant when understanding this lower triad of Netzach, Hod and Yesod, because Netzach, Hod and Yesod, according to the Zohar and according to the Arizal and according to all of the Meforshim of the Mikubalim, are going to be referred to as Bar Megufe, something that is outside of the individual's body. Now, in spite of the fact that we just said that anthropomorphically speaking, Netzachod are representative of the legs of the individual, the right leg and the left leg, nevertheless, the legs represent the places through which a person is going to travel, those areas within where a person wants to direct themselves. These natural habituated states that have developed within the individual once they've decided on particular ways and frameworks through which they're going to see the world, at the end, at the culmination of the intellectual process, which moves through the emotional states of an individual, what we arrive at is the natural end of this order where the body is now ready to carry out what the mind and the heart have already decided to do. And that's what Netzach, Hod, and Yesod are going to be responsible for. Netzach and Hod and Yesod are going to be the process wherein the person emerges out of their internalized state. In the internalized state of Moichin and Midos, of mindfulness and emotional states, we're already preparing to be. We're deciding how we want to interact with the world. We're deciding how we want to express ourselves upon the world. When it comes to the lower triad of Netzachod and Yesod, we're already in the process of revealing ourselves to the world. Netzachod and Yesod as the lower quadrant, as the lower triad of the spheros themselves, represent the beginningness wherein the person moves out of themselves and begins to actually interact with things outside of themselves. It is only through Netzach and Hod and Yesod of the Neshama, these processes which tell me, okay, now it is time to take that which I've contemplated, to take that which I have emotionally processed, and it's time for me to engage with something outside of myself. It's no longer a time for me to remain saturated within myself in a solipsistic self-sufficiency, wherein I gain all wealth of experience from within my own mind and my own heart, 
but now it's time to actually engage in the real work of engaging reality, which is going to be malchus as we see it. And therefore, the process of externalization begins with this lower triad of the spheros, which are netzachod and yesod. Now, the reason that we're going to be discussing netzach and hod as two parts of the same sphera is because the Zohar tells us already that netzach and hod are referred to as tre palge gufe, that netzach and hod themselves are going to be identified as two halves of the self. Now, the reason for this is as follows. Netzach and hod, by dint of the fact that they're the lower triad of spheros, which already begin to have an interaction with the world itself, and are no longer sustained by the self-sufficiency and the internal purity within each and every individual, once we begin to move out of ourselves and express ourselves into the world at large, we're entering into a place that the tzaddikim of Ishbitz and the tzaddikim of Radzin would refer to as the makom hasvekos. When it comes to us in and of ourselves, we're not stuck in the doubtful nature of how things are going to play out. Because when I think or contemplate certain things through Kesar Chachma and Bina, when I feel certain things through Chesed, Gvura, and Teferes, so I am still contained within the safety of my own self, where I have some sort of control, some sort of Shlita over the way I want to think about things and the way I want to feel about things. But when I begin to emerge out of myself, when I begin to express myself externally to the world at large and to people outside of myself or to things outside of myself, one fundamental thing that I lose is the ability to control the outcome. When I experience an emotion of chesed or gavura or teferis within myself, I can always reach down into the recesses of my own emotional experience prior to any actual manifestation, and I can allow for those emotions to be corrected. I can integrate those emotions into my lived sense of myself because they're still internalized. They have not yet left the rishus, the domain of myself. But once I enter into the stage of Netzach, Hod, and especially Yesod, as we're going to see next week, what I've already done is I've already began the process of externalization. And once things are externalized, they're no longer stuck within the domain of unity. They're no longer contained within the purity of the self. At this point, they've already begun to seep into the impurity of the outside. And there, it's much more difficult for me to retract my words, to retract my emotions, to retract my experiences. And therefore, when discussing Netzach, Hod, and Yesod, the Zohar refers to this area as Ragleha Yardemavis, that its legs dangle into the areas of death. Meaning to say that as we begin to emerge out of ourselves, after this entire Seder of Vishtalshalus, this unfolding of this primordial rut zone that emerges within Kesser, and then it's minimized into a point, an infinitesimal point that contains the infinite within it in Chachma, and then it's broken up into particular points of information in Bina, and then it undergoes the process of translating emotion intellectual experience into emotionally lived states through Das, and then through Chesed, where I have the desire to express myself in all modes of expression. And then Gevura comes along and it limits those modes of expression until I reach this synthesis of the two, this simultaneity of the two in the Mida of Teferes, everything is still contained within me. It's only when I reach those levels of Netzachod and Yesod where I'm beginning to deal with an actualized other. Now, because of the danger 
associated with emerging out of myself into the world, the Zohar and the Mikubalim stress that it's very important to hold on to the sense of unity that abides within the interiority of these Midos. That externally speaking, the differentiation or the separation or the duplicity associated with the spheros of Netzach and Hod, of victory and eternity and gratitude, is going to be min haketza el haketza. They're going to appear to be distinct from one another and separate from one another and removed from one another to the point where unity no longer reigns supreme. And when a person no longer has sight of unity, when a person no longer has sight of the fact that all midos and all experiences come from the unified place of desire and keser, a person begins to fall into the trap of multiplicity, of duplicity, of concealment, of hiddenness, and all modes of destruction that emerge from within that. So therefore, the Mikubalim stress, and the Shari Ora points this out in the Parak of Gimel and Dalid, where he lists Netzach and Hod together, the Ramak points this out in Pardes Rimonim as well, and the Arizal points this out in Pre-Eitz Chaim in the Shar of Tefillin when discussing the two Ritzuos of the Tefillin Shalrosh, which are associated with Netzach and Hod, that because of the possibility, because of the likelihood of separation and concealment when dealing with these lower spheros of Netzach and Hod, it's very specific and necessary for us to recognize verbally and consciously the unity that exists between the two of them. And for that reason, we're going to be discussing Netzach and Hod in unison that these two midos, the right and the left side of beginning to express myself outside of myself, those are going to be areas where we need to remind ourselves of the need to stamp our experience with the deep belief in unity that we continue to believe in in spite of the fact that we move away from unity. And this is really the area of Netzachod and Yisod where we see the transformation of terms. That when looking from a hierarchical order, when looking at the value of things based on their placement in an order from top to bottom, or, placed, or based on their spiritual qualities, we would see Kesar, Chachma, and Bina. We would see the first three spheros, which are associated with the mind, as being the most profound and the most holy. And then, second to that, would come the second triad of spheros, which are going to be Chesed, Gevura, and Teferes, which would represent the Midos, which would be secondary in terms of their holiness, yet the second most holy. And then finally, we would see Netzachod and Yesod, this third triadic form of the Siros as the lowest form, which is susceptible to distortion and susceptible to brokenness. And this is where we find the Pigam of Yaakov Avinu, that after he fights with the Tsar of Esav, after Yaakov Avinu engages with the world of duplicity and darkness with the Saroshal Esav, like we discussed last week, we see that he emerges victorious yet injured on his left leg. And it's the Mida of Hod. It's this externalized Mida, this process of externalizing myself, wherein Yaakov Avinu finds this Pagam, finds this blemish. And we have multiple sources pointing out the fact that Netzach Yisrael lo yishaker, which means that it's already susceptible to untruth. If the Pasuk needs to tell us that Netzach doesn't lie, well, that means that the potential of Netzach is already within the world of duplicity and untruthness. And so too with Hod, that Hod, the Osios of Hod are going to be the Osios of Kol Hayom Dava, that the entirety of the day my heart was broken. Now, in spite of all of this, in spite of the intuitive nature of seeing Netzach Hod and Yesod, this lower triad of Sviros, 
as being the lowest in spirituality or the lowest in the potential to disclose holiness, what we find by certain mikubalim, what we find in particular by the Arizal and the Arizal's words refracted by the Rashash, Rav Shalom Sharabi, the Rosh Yeshiva of Beit El, of the Yeshiva to Mikubalim in the old city of Yerushalayim, the founding member of what we refer to perhaps as Sephardi interpretation of Kabbalah, the Rashash in his Sefer Nahar Shalom, as well as his fundamental introduction to Nahar Shalom, referred to as Rehovah Sanar, which has in the past few years undergone a renaissance wherein everybody is learning the Rashash as an opening to the secrets of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. It's particularly through the lens of the Rashash and his student, the Torah Tchacham, Rav Chaim de la Rosa, who Rav Yitzhak Isaac Morgenstern Shlita came to the world, according to many of his students, to reveal the true meaning of the Sefer. Because when you look at the Sefer Torah's Chacham from Rav Chaim de la Rosa, what a person finds is basically a quantum manual that is written in terse Roshe Tebos and acronyms. And what Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern has done with the Sefer is shown it to reveal the same secrets that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was discussing. It's particularly through these tzaddikim, through this base medrash of Svardik Mikubalim, where we see this fundamental transvaluation of terms of Netzachot and Yesod. Because in spite of the intuitive knowledge that Netzachot and Yesod, the lower triad of spheros within ourselves, those areas within ourselves which begin to be polluted and broken as they emerge into duplicity out of the unity of emotions and mindfulness, what the Rashash points out is that it's specifically this area, this area of Netzachot and Yesod, which in spite of its lower value, in spite of its gradation, which is going to be lower than the other spheros, there's something related to Netzachot and Yesod, which is also going to be representative of the most fundamental aspect of the spheros themselves. Now, the reason that Netzachot and Yesod become the most fundamental triad of spheros is because it's specifically by Netzachot and Yesod where a person begins to emerge out of themselves. That Kedusha, that spirituality, is not meant to be a solipsistically experienced, self-contained moment. That our spiritual goals are not to remain caught up within the recesses of our minds or our emotions, contemplating the unity of God and experiencing the emotional bliss or withdrawal associated with the emotional states of cognitive experience, but rather the fundamental expression of Kedusha as it is disclosed within Kabbalah, and as it is disclosed throughout the spirituality of Judaism as a whole, is that it is specifically when I move out of myself that I have the capacity to express the deepest level of unity. It is specifically when I am capable of engaging with another person that I have the capacity to engage in chasadim. Like the holy beggar of Tel Aviv, who was sitting on the Yarkon and speaking <clears throat> to Rav Shlomo Kalbach when he tells him that what his teacher, the Piyazetz Nereba Hashem Yim Komdomo, taught him in his yeshiva, and the only thing that he remembered about his life was that the greatest thing that a person can do is to do a favor for another person. That's not simply some ethical statement, but that's in truth a deeply Kabbalistically driven statement. That in truth, the greatest capacity of spirituality and unity within the world is particularly when I move out of myself and I begin emerging into some actualized relationship with another person.
that when I'm capable of moving out of my self-centeredness, I am now capable of engaging with another person, of helping another person, of connecting to another person in a real and practical way, not simply in some abstract philosophical way of chesed or compassion, but rather in an embodied state of giving of myself to the other person. And therefore, it is specifically by the midos of Netzach and Hod, the beginning stages of emerging out of the unity of ourselves into the disunity of other people, that I can actually find the capacity to touch the deepest level of Kedusha. That it's specifically when I emerge out of the safety of myself and I enter into the dangerous space of engaging with other people, where, as the Ishbitzer Rebbe and the Soed Yasharim point out, I am no longer in control of the outcome. I know what I can do, for example, says the Radziner, with my money. I can keep my money safe. I can ensure that I pay all my tithes and I can ensure that that money is kosher. But once I engage in the mitzvah of tzedakah and the righteous act of giving of myself to another person, then I completely lose the ability for me to have control over the outcome of where those funds go. I don't get to determine whether those funds are going to be used bikadusha or betuma, whether they're going to be used for holy purposes or unholy purposes. It's specifically in the area of doing for the other person, where I give of myself, where I move out of my self-sufficiency and I enter into the public grounds of engaging with other people, that at once I allow myself to be hurt, I allow myself to be bruised, I allow myself to be sullied and broken, yet on the other hand, I experience the capacity of giving to another person in a real way. And that is what these midos of Netzach Hod and Yesod do for the individual. Netzach Hod and Yesod are the processes wherein we begin to emerge out of ourselves and give to the other person. That it's specifically in this triad, in this lowest three-tiered process of the spheros, that on the one hand, I experience the deepest propensity towards being hurt, towards being sullied, towards being broken. Yet on the other hand, I experience the deepest level of kedusha, which is the real experience of helping another person in a practical way. When discussing the reasons for the creation of the world, different mikubalim and different sadikim had very different answers. The answer made most famous by the Baal Hatanya, which in truth is rooted in the teachings of the Arizal as well as Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona, which we discussed at length in the series of teachings on Reish Milin as well as the Lesham Shu of Achaloma, is that, like the Medrash says in Parshas Naso, Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lihiyos Laudira B'Tachtonim, that God, so to speak, desired within his infathomable desire, within the recesses of Keser, within the Reisha de lo Isyada, within the unknowable and unknown head, which we're going to discuss in two weeks when we discuss the final sphere of, of Malchus, that specifically the will that arose there in and of itself is the desire to express divinity, to express, to express spirituality and Kedusha specifically within the nether regions, specifically within the realm of the Tachtainim, wherein there is distortion and distinction and brokenness and darkness and all of the things that seem to counteract Kedusha and unity. It's specifically within the realm of other people, within the Rishus Harabim, wherein I can engage other people, that I have the ability to disclose the deepest level of Kedusha. Because as we've said so often, 
if I can come and show that Kedusha exists even within Rishus Harabim, if I can come and show that even within Netzachod and Yisod, those areas of myself, those lived states of myself, which seem to be outside of my conscious control, which seems to be outside and beyond the realm of my emotional regulation, specifically there in the unconscious behaviors of myself, I can reveal that holiness abides there as well. That when I experience the lowest rung of the ladder of the spheros of Netzachod and Yesod, that I'm capable of showing that here too God exists. That even in the unconscious, habituated behaviors of myself, the mindless behaviors that seem to emanate out of habituated states and not from any shlita of das and not from any overcoming of knowledge, it's specifically there that I can show, like the Ishbitzer Tzadikim have taught us so often, that even in our unconscious states, Gam below das nefesh lotov, that even without knowledge, even without any consciousness, the body and the soul are acting in unison to carry out the desire of God. And therefore, it's specifically in this area of Netzach and Hod that I have the capacity of disclosing a deeper level of unity that reveals itself even in the areas that seem to be devoid of the control of the light of the intellect or the light of the emotions. Now, with that being said, we're going to begin the discussion of what Netzach and Hod actually are. Now, again, to keep in mind that in spite of the fact that we're talking about differentiated spheros here, one on the right side and one on the left side, at the end of the day, these two differentiated spheros, these two palge gufe, these two halves of the person, are going to combine and create a whole within the individual. Now, Netzach, which is on the right side, which precedes Hod in terms of its enumeration within the tree of the spheros, is going to be representative of two ideas. It's going to be representative of the idea of endurance within the individual and the capacity to overcome. That netzach can be understood as nitzachon, as victory, as overcoming, as well as netzach, which is eternity. Now, our meforshim and our tzaddikim, in terms of trying to understand the interrelationship between these two separate definitions, describe netzach as being the ability to be victorious over somebody and through that victory to endure in our victory. That there is a lasting victory and there is a momentary victory. A momentary victory is one wherein my victory is accidental. I have been capable of overcoming something simply because the other side was too weak or simply because I was filled with a momentary sense of extra strength which enabled me to overcome something. But that momentary overcoming, that momentary victory is not essential in the sense that the other side can get up and overcome me once again. And then there's going to be another deeper level of victory, which is going to be an essential nitzachon, where I show deeply and ontologically that I have control over something. Now, when I show deeply on an ontological level that I have control over something which will not go back to the other side's control, what I have done is I have also shown my endurance over that thing. That this victory, this momentary victory, is not simply momentary, but it's disclosive of the relationship that I have with that thing that I've overcome. That my overcoming, my victory, is shown to be something that in potentia can express itself interminably for eternity. This netzach, this capacity to overcome things that stand outside of me, is a deep expression of the capacity of the self to overcome obstacles and more importantly to overcome itself. That after we reach the bypass of chesed and gvur and teferes, 
things have stopped. Things have not expressed themselves externally. In order to express things externally, I need to be able to overcome the impediments that stand in my way. In order to fully express myself in the way that I want to express myself, at least according to my conscious thinking, I need to ensure that I have the capacity of overcoming all of the preventions, all of the menios, which stop me and block me and make me feel that it's impossible for me to express myself in the world. Parenthetically speaking, this is one of the reasons that Rabbi Nachman of Breslov associated himself so much with the Sira of Netzach. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov was famous to state that he was associated with the Midah of Netzach. And furthermore, as recorded by his scribe, Rabbi Nassim of Nimerov, what he would say often is, Nitzachti va'anatzeach. I have been victorious and I will be victorious. That this deep sense of the ability to overcome impediments, this deep sense of my ability to overcome that which stands in my way, most importantly myself, I can overcome enemies and I can overcome impediments which stand outside of me, but the more difficult thing is to overcome myself, which is something that Rabbi Nachman taught us how to do. This netzach is the ability for the human being to overcome the blockages within themselves most importantly, that tell us, do not reveal yourself. Do not show yourself to the world. Do not share with another person. Do not put yourself in a position of vulnerability by helping another person. Stay within your self-saturated sense of self-sufficiency. Netzach says, no, Netzach says, I will be victorious. And even if I'm not victorious at this moment, in the next moment, I will be victorious because it is the sense of power Netzach is that overcoming will of power that seeks to overcome that which stands in front of itself. It's the desire to conquer. It's the desire to reign supreme over things outside of myself. That mida in the nefesh, that ability of Netzach Yisrael lo Yishaker, is a deep sense of enduring or abiding courage, which says that in spite of the fact that I have not been victorious over certain elements in my life, in spite of the fact that I have stumbled and I have fallen, and I have fallen seven times, nevertheless, it is with certainty that I am capable of saying that I will stand up a seventh time. That Sheva Yipal HaTzadik Vekam, that in spite of the fact that I've lost the battle seven times, like Rav Hutner points out in his beautiful letter regarding this Pasuk of Sheva Yipal HaTzadik Vekam, which he translates in the English idiom of losing the battle and winning the war, that even though I have fallen and even though I have struggled and even though I have been incapable of accomplishing that which I've promised myself I would accomplish, the Mida of Netzach within the soul says, in spite of all of that, I will continue to accomplish. And even though I have fallen, I will get up. And as Rufutner says, it is specifically because I have fallen that I have the capacity to get up. That is the Mida of Netzach within the self. The Mida of Netzach is the drive of power, the will to power, the will to be powerful and the will to overcome things that stand outside of me. Hod, on the other hand, which is going to be on the left side, is going to be almost the polar opposite of what Netzach is representative of. Netzach is representative of the endurance to overcome things that stand outside of myself, which demands a certain self-power, which demands a certain ability for me to conjure up the strength of myself and show my prowess over other people, over other things, and over the world itself. Hod, on the other hand, comes from the Lashon of Hoda'a, of admittance. Now, the Svarim point out that admittance and gratitude share the same etymological rootage. 
hoda'a, which is gratitude, and to be modet to something is expressive of the sense of admittance. So hod is this mida, which in contradistinction to its right counterpart of netzach, says that everything that I have comes from elsewhere. All that I am capable of comes from a place beyond me. Everything that I have accomplished in my life is a gift that has come through grace without relationship to the effort that I have put in. Hode is the recognition when I say thank you to somebody, when I have the capacity to express gratitude, what I'm saying on a certain level, according to our tzaddikim, in particular of Hutner in his Ma'amarim in Shavuos and Hanukkah, is that when I say thank you to somebody, what I'm admitting is that I would not have been capable of doing this without your help, which is on a certain level the polar opposite of the will to power. The will to power, the will to self-mastery associated with Netzach, the ability to overcome myself and be victorious in spite of all the impediments, that is the conjuring of strength within myself, that is the perseverance that pushes beyond all privation and all menios. Hod, on the other hand, is the ability to say after being victorious that thank you, that this victory or this thing that I've accomplished is something that is so far beyond my natural capacity that I'm recognizing now that it comes from elsewhere. It's a powerlessness. It's a recognition that without the help of a higher power, without the help of the people who help me, without the help of the individuals or the divinity and spirituality in my life that has allowed for this thing to take place, that I would be abject and broken in my poverty. That netzach represents power, and hod is the recognition after the acquirement and the attainment of power, that even this power has been accomplished through my powerlessness. That this power, this victory is not mine. So netzach and hod represent these two paradoxical states of experience. On the one hand, the emergence of the self through its own strength, through its own vitality, and the sense of powerfulness, and the sense of endurance, and the sense of victory. Yet on the other hand, hod is the acknowledgement that anything that takes place in my life, any goodness that comes into my life, is simply a gift that comes from beyond, which is why hod is associated with modim, that when we bend our backs during the modim prayer, what we're basically recognizing is that I'm a broken person and that I'm incapable of developing spiritual consciousness on my own, and that it's only through the tiny effort that I've done that has opened up the floodgates to allow for me to have gifts that come from above, from an isarusa de la ela, from an experience that comes from above. It's not something of my own. I am admitting powerlessness, and I am accepting powerlessness. So this paradoxical movement of finding the power of netzach yet at the same point recognizing after the fact that that power that I experienced through Netzach is in truth not my own power, but a power that comes from something beyond myself, this paradoxical balance of self-sufficiency and self-nullification are going to be the two fundamental modes through which a person is capable of healthily expressing themselves in the world. Because as it begins to be a process of emerging out of myself, where other people will be able to recognize the strengths that we have and the relationships that we have, the most fundamental strengths are the ability to persevere, 
the ability to push forward, the ability to overcome that which blocks us, the ability to be menatzeach, the ability to overcome the self-doubt and the self-loathing and the self-fear that all of us experience. Yet at the same point, if we only allow ourselves to stay stuck in that modality of netzach, what we will very quickly fall into is arrogance and we will fall into a sense of self-worship where it is my own actions that that have accomplished these things for myself. And therefore, we need the counteracting strength of hod, or the recognition and the nullification that comes with recognizing that everything that I've accomplished, everything that is mine, everything that I seem to have victorious over and done for myself is in truth rooted in a place far beyond my human experience. It's rooted in a place that comes where I must only be grateful for it. A gratitude that is born in the realization that what I have is not something that I could have on my own. And it's these two strengths, these strengths of Netzach and Hod, that allow me to walk places. The legs, the movement from place to place are associated with Netzach and Hod. As I begin to move out of myself, as I begin to wander from place to place, I might have all sorts of assumptions and ideas and preconditions as to where I want to go or what I want to accomplish. And then I'm putting on my shoes and I'm taking care of my shoes and I'm following the path that my feet will lead me. Netzach and Hod come and tell us that at the end of the day, wherever I end up is where Hashem has wanted me to end up. The Pasuk says in Kapitel Kufyu test that when David HaMelech would get ready for his day, he would say, Chashavti Raglai, I have contemplated the steps of my feet. And the Medrash on this Pasuk says that David HaMelech, when asked where he was going, when people would run into him, seeing him walking during the day, in his itinerant state of wandering, the Mishnah Brua already points out, and I believe it's Chelek Aleph, that it's good to walk around barefoot during the days of Tshuva because David HaMelech walked barefoot, which means that David HaMelech was somebody who was truly aware that the movement of his legs were not according to his shoes, were not according to the movement that he dictated, but rather according to the movement that took place from above that it's specifically when the person would run into David HaMelech and say, where are you walking? He would say, I thought I was walking to the courtyard. I thought I was walking to the town. I thought I was walking to the marketplace. But in truth, it seems that I'm walking to the base medrash. That what David HaMelech was able to recognize, and the Ishbetzer Tzadikim talk about this specifically by this Pasuk, that in spite of the fact that I thought that I was walking outside of myself and moving outside of my ability to control what happens, entering into the realms of otherness, entering into the realms of Netzach and Hod, it's specifically there that David HaMelech was capable of reaffirming that even though I thought consciously that I had a choice, on an unconscious level, wherever I go, there I am. Wherever I go, that is where I'm supposed to be. That my legs are praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on a certain level. That when we walk, we're praying that the right and the left leg in unison, in spite of the fact that it seems that it's human effort that's directing it, in truth, the Hod allows me to recognize that it was all the movement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Nachman has an incredible teaching when it comes to this. Rabbi Nachman tells us, in multiple places, in the 32nd teaching in the Maharan, in the 41st teaching in the Maharan, in, and in the 48th teaching in the Maharan, as well as in the third teaching of Maharan, that the legs are associated with Natsach and Hod. 
the legs represent those areas wherein a person is moving out of unity, wherein a person is no longer self-saturated with holy thoughts or holy emotions, but rather it's an emergence and an entrance into the realms of otherness, into Rishus Harabim, into the places of multiplicity wherein we can be overcome and overwhelmed by all of the different thoughts and emotions and contradictions and steros that we live with on a day-to-day -day basis. And he says that there's a unique relationship between the lathe, between Bina, between that which rests just above this triad, that state of being within the self that says that there's going to be a conscious control, and the Netzach and Hod. Because in spite of the fact that Netzach and Hod seem to be removed from the Shlita, removed from the control of the mind and the heart, in truth, there abides a deep connection. And that when a person is capable of remembering that the places that I walk or the places that I will go or the places that I wander are truly connected to the deep desire of my heart and the deep desire of God within this world to disclose himself within separation itself and where separation after the fact is shown to have been part and parcel of unity, at that point, says Rabbi Nachman, when I allow my heart to remember that it has some sort of relationship, some sort of control over my legs, then my legs begin to move. And not only do the legs begin to move, but the legs begin to jump. And when these legs jump, and when these legs recognize that they're trying to connect to their source, which is Bina, when the individual recognizes that the experiences that I have in the day-to-day, -day, which seem so separate and removed from holiness, in truth have a relationship with Bina, Instead of walking forthright, I'm going to try and elevate my legs back up to my heart. I'm going to try and show in my own way that the movement of my legs, the wanderings of my soul in the worlds of separateness where I'm no longer caught up within the realm of unity are in truth part and parcel of the plan of unity itself. And when the legs start to emerge back to the heart, when the legs start to move upwards, Rabbi Nachman says this is the secret of Rikudim. This is the secret of dancing. That when a person is stuck in the wandering, in the empty steps that they take outside of themselves, where they're convinced that Netzach and Hod and my expression outwards is external and separate from the unity of myself, and it's polluted and it's broken, so then the walking will always be walking and it will be limping and it will be schlepping and it will be that broken state of schlepping through exile. But when a person is capable of recognizing that the netzach and hod of themselves, their legs that carry them places, the shoes that take a person place for, to place to place, are in truth readed in the heart, are in truth under the control of the divine plan of unity that emerged prior to the separation of the self, then the legs begin to move back to their source. And when the legs move back to their source, we begin to dance. And when a person dances, what they're expressing is a deep desire to return to the source. The legs leave the ground. The legs emerge slightly above the ground, lifting the leg a little bit to show that in truth, everything that appears to be disunified, everything that appears to be separate and apart is truly part and parcel of this deeply unified experience where even the lower parts of myself are associated with the higher parts of myself. And it's specifically in Netzach and Hod that it's so important for us to show that yes, in truth, it appears to be separate. There appears to be a distinction between the inside and the outside. There appears to be a deep stira, a contradiction or a paradox in terms between my internally lived state and the externalization of myself, as the Sod Yasharim points out so beautifully in Parshas Bahar, 
that it's specifically in that place that I can show that even the outside is part of the inside. And the wandering and the schlepping and the limping emerge and are disclosed into a state of dancing where everybody is dancing and they just keep on dancing and the legs keep on dancing in spite of the fact that we don't know why we're dancing. And next week, Bezra Sashem, after we've discussed this process of Netzach and Hod, these processes that allow for that which has been processed through our minds, down through our bodies, to emerge into the outside world, we're now going to discuss next week, Bezra Sashem, the Mida of Yesod, the foundation of it all, that point through which everything that we've experienced through the state of Keser, Chachma, and Bina begins to emerge downwards, begins to go down and stands at the ready to be expressed externally. And at that point of Yesod, at that point of foundation, at that point of the most essential point within ourselves and within the universe, is where we're going to find the full expression of the human being and the ability to encounter what we're going to refer to as Malchus, what we're going to refer to as the Bas Melech, as the lost princess, as the most fundamental part that each and every one of us is searching for in this world. Bezra Sashem, next week we're going to be discussing the Midah of Yesod, and the week afterwards we're going to be discussing the Midah of Malchus, and that's going to bring us to a culmination of the series of Shirim on the Esr Sviros.